Welcome to today's episode of the Action Comedy Nerd Show, brought to you by Toast's Place, your local watering hole in Mentor, Ohio. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry <laughs> Jaffe, and here's our co-host, Dan Brown. Hello, everybody. We just got back from some really good shows at OhioCon 2018. Yes, they were. I don't think good starts to explain how good those shows really were. Standing room only. Sitting room only in some places. And our, our good uh, friend, Jesse... Pimpinella. Pimpinella, yeah. We're going to have a hard time uh, remembering that one. (laughs) Screw you, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, OhioCon was great. You know, every seat was filled. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were able to shove in Mm -hmm. about another 30 uh, people after that to stand, sit, whatever they wanted to do. And the um, program directors and the staff there were, of course, fantastic, friendly, a lot of great cosplay. Very uh, kind, yes. uh, Later on in this episode, we'll tell you about some of our upcoming appearances. But today's episode is our interview with author Mark Clark. Mark Clark. He has written a book called The Star Wars FAQ. Mark Clark. And Mark Clark and us discussed all things Star Wars. Yes, yes, we did, and uh, it's. It, I thought it was a very good interview. Yes, if I do say so myself. But I, I will actually cl- credit Mark Clark with his ability to be an interviewee for the oh, reason why it was so good. Yes, he's interesting, well-spoken, thoughtful. Uh, I gotta mention my good friend Jim Hill, who's an actor in the Cleveland area, introduced me to Mark Clark. Yeah. So I want to thank Jim for helping make this interview possible. Jim did stand-up for a while, right? Yes, he was doing the open mic scene for a little bit. And, yeah, I But he's gone him. back into doing plays. He's a good, uh, I would say, young actor, but he's not as young as he used to be. Right. <laughs> And I also want to mention that we recorded this podcast. He's not getting as much money for the nude scenes anymore, is he? <laughs> well, he does those as more of a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want to mention that we recorded this uh, episode of our podcast the day after Dan Brown's birthday, which yes. included a surprise roast birthday party by his lovely wife, Tracy Brown. Yeah, I, I will say this. I um, usually hate surprise parties, uh-huh. um, but I was because very happy. You're an adult, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> Even as a kid, I never cared for him. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I really didn't see it coming. Uh, my wife uh, my wife built a comedy club in our basement, pretty it's much. It's fantastic. Look which, for uh, photos of it on, uh, on former Facebook. Former comedian Will Kessling uh, commented on my Facebook today about it, saying it's better than most clubs, <laughs> uh, which isn't... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a... Say no more, say yes, no more, yes, say wink, no more. wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Will nailed that correctly. So thank you, Tracy, for throwing a great party. I was there. Some other comedians were there. Family were there. It was a really nice time. It was. All right. Well, then let's get to it, Dan. Next, our interview with Mark Clark. Mark Clark! Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Comedy Nerd Show. When you hear that music, you know it's time for the Action Comedy Nerd Show. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Setting with me across the table is my co-host, Dan Brown. Darth Dan Brown. Darth Dan Brown. Sith Lord. Yep. And uh, with us today is the author of the Star Wars and the Star Trek FAQ books, author Mark Clark. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Mark Clark. Great to be here. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Do we have any like special effects, like applause or anything we can use? <laughs> no, we can't afford applause. Okay, Sorry. never mind. <laughs> yes. That's our audience. And just slow clapped to Mark. <laughs> get us started here. Welcome to the show, uh, Mark Clark. Sorry, uh, with the, I'm going to call you by both names the rest of the show. That's fun. <laughs> with the um, uh, advent since 2015 of like the next generation Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. All of us Star Wars fans are reinvigorated, so we thought we'd invite a real Star Wars expert and super fan, 
to talk about all things Star Wars related. Mark, you wrote the book Star Wars FAQ. Just to get a little background on it, how is it you're the person who wrote that book? Why didn't me or Dan write that book? Why did you write it? Well, uh, clearly that was just a failing on your part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, actually, the, way the book came to me in a weird way because um, uh, I was, as you mentioned, I had done mm-hmm. this, this uh, had done a two-part uh, uh, book series on Star Trek. Right. And I was in the middle of writing the second part of that, and my publisher was trying to find someone to do an entry in the series on Star Wars, and they had okay. somebody lined up, and they bailed out for some reason. Okay. And I kind of emailed my editor and said, well, you know, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like even a bigger Star Wars fan than I am a Star Trek fan, so I could totally do that. And we, there was some negotiation involved, but, you know, we got a contract done, and I and I uh, mm-hmm. did the Star Wars book. What is the FAQ series? There's other books I saw on the bookshelf, a Godzilla FAQ. There's the Star Trek ones. I'm, I don't even know what all ones there are, but it's a series called the Something Something FAQ. Right. So what well, is know, that? It, it actually began as a with a book called Fab Four FAQ, which was about the Beatles okay. that, that uh, my friend Robert Rodriguez um, wrote. And it okay. was very successful. And the publisher, who, who is uh, Applause Books, which is a division of Hal Leonard Publishers, anyway, they decided to do more of these FAQ books. And at first they were all about different you know, musical artists. Okay. And uh, then eventually they decided they wanted to expand into film and other you know, pop, pop culture, culture topics. And... Um, Robert was looking for people to write for the series, mm-hmm. and he got in contact with another friend of mine who said, Do you know anybody who could write some of these books? And uh, my friend David had him contact me, and he had a list okay. of topics he wanted covered, and one of them was Star Trek. And I said, oh, I could do that. And I knew immediately that was one they were going to want because sure. there was so much built in audience with it. Star Wars, oddly, wasn't on the original list, but was on a subsequent list. Right. Uh, when did the series start? Like the Fab Four FAQ, approximately? Just uh, my guess is that'd be about eight or nine years ago. Okay. At this point. Yeah, it's been so, going on so for a good while. Year, several years yeah. before the new Star Wars movie. Yes. So Star yes. Wars wasn't quite on the map, even the way it would be. Was there any kind of indication uh, that they might be doing any more Star Wars at that time? I mean, because I remember just as a as a casual fan. Uh, when George Lucas sold the rights to to Disney, and uh, mm-hmm. was it a full Lucasfilms sale to Disney? Was that what it was, or yeah, Disney bought Lucasfilms? Okay, so yeah, um, and then it seemed like the next day they announced three more Star Wars films. <laughs> right later well, that they day. Didn't buy them like, to sit around, you know. Yeah. Buy- <laughs> it was like the ink didn't even dry yet, and they exactly. announced that like, oh hey, we're making more movies. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, dur- during the time when you were writing or, or you know um, being commissioned or, or wherever um, the correct term for that is to uh, write these books or something at that time was there any kind of indication like hey there's going to be more coming out by the time i went into contract on the book we knew that um there were going to be more books coming out as a matter of fact it was the the book was designed to be released in the run-up to the force awakens which it was it came out about two or three months before that film came out so i and i was everywhere for like for like uh, two months i was on it i was in doing podcasts and radio yes. things from you know london england well, and everywhere on the face of the earth as usual we're right on top of that yep. years later <laughs> very 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 end of the line so i apologize for our slowness well thank you for coming to paynesville ohio man yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> glamorous um paynesville ohio don't even get me started uh like as writer mark clark mm-hmm. what were you doing leading up to the faq books to make you qualified to write an faq book or make you someone you know, you're a writer. What other kind of writing were you doing? Or why did you become a writer? How did you become a writer? <laughs> well, that's about four questions in one. Okay. Um, the, answer them in any order. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there's, I've always been a big science fiction fan. As, okay. ma- as a matter of fact, the reason I became uh, – the reason I'm a writer today, today actually is uh, because of Isaac Asimov. Sure. Because as a kid, I read, uh, read his books and, um, and especially his, his short story collections. Mm-hmm. They, and he would write these little introductions mm-hmm. to the stories where he would talk about, here's how I came up with the idea. Yes. Or here's some conversation I had with you know, uh, John Campbell mm-hmm. or, or somebody else about the story. And, and, it, and just those introductions made it sound like really fun to be <laughs> yeah. a writer. And I thought, hey, yeah, I think I want to do that. Okay. And, and so I've always had that connection with science fiction mm-hmm. since I was a kid, both reading it and watching the movies and things like that. And then... Um, I did have a career as a newspaper reporter and editor, and I was a film critic for a while, and I taught okay. film uh, for a while. I was about to interrupt and ask, do you have like a journalism degree or something? I have an English degree. An yeah. English degree? Okay. And, and University then, of Louisville? Yes. Yep. Yep. And I did, had a whole other career for a while uh, where I actually, you know, like made money and stuff. And then, yes. 
And then when I decided <laughs> money, <laughs> and then I decided not to do that anymore because yeah. Lord knows there's no money in writing books. And um, but then when I but then I was able to go back and and just sort of do the things I wanted to do. Sure. And uh, at that point, I started writing about those the, the movies and TV shows and things that I had always loved and had this facility to research and analyze and come up with things people for some reason want to read so if i'm not misremembering and you'll correct me at some point in star wars faq you refer to that after the first movie came out people just fans mm -hmm. i don't mean alan dean foster i just mean fans <laughs> because they wanted more star wars stories would just write their own just mm -hmm. almost like fan right. fiction like the people at home in their journals just writing new adventures did you do that sort of thing did you write any youthful Star Wars stories. You know, I didn't do Star Wars fan fiction. I was never, I've never been mm -hmm. a fan fiction guy. But I did write um, a stories and mm -hmm. uh, even, and I used to draw. So I even did comic books <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. of these uh, science fiction stories yes. that were extremely, very much like Star Wars. Only they had different yes. characters. They were like, <laughs> tell me you made copies of these. <laughs> I, I wish they existed. You know, I, uh. I, my kids would love to see them. I, what I did, I would I, love to see. It. <laughs> I, I drew them and and uh, uh, passed them off to uh, friends of mine at school, actually. So they mm -hmm. would, and they would pass them around. Yep. And I don't know what happened to them over the years, but sure. I, I have some of the stories with the comic books, which are the best things that aren't don't exist sure. anymore. Wow. That was the first play I ever wrote. Was after watching Star Wars, I wrote a Star Wars like play. There you go. Really, was, it wasn't about Luke Skywalker, but like you were saying, it was sort of inspired by the genre, more adventure stories, right? All right, one more just general question, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know if it's like a little bit of a joke or a little bit of thing that people notice. <laughs> the FAQ books are not FAQs. Right. So what should we expect when we read an FAQ uh, book? Well, not, a, not questions and answers. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a big fan of that, of that title, but it, it just kind of, the series just title is kind of stuck after the right. Fab Four book. Which, again, itself was not a FAQ either, so I don't know where that came from. It's a way of assembling a bunch of different information on a topic in a way mm -hmm. that's fun and readable. And it's all kind of sliced up into small chapters, right. and each chapter sliced up into smaller pieces. So it's great, like, right. you know, bathroom reading or something. Right. You know, or, or, and you can kind of flip around. They don't have to be read front to back. Yeah. Um, but if you do, but there is a narrative sort of embedded in it yes. in terms of the arc of the, you know, the movies came from <coughs> and how they got made and what came from them and mm -hmm. how they affected the lives of the people who appeared in them and, and made them and all, and all these other right. pieces. So I have read it. Let me uh, say for the record, I Can enjoyed it immensely. No, yeah, go ahead. I'd like to just say Dan Brown has not read it. He's waiting for the movie to come out. Yes. Yeah, so uh, am I. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very readable, as you say. I mean, if I recall in the introduction, there's some sort of statement about it's just one book. It can't have every everything in it. Right. But it's a comprehensive overview with a lot of interesting stuff. And Including just, some stuff that might be harder to find or not isn't in other books. Yeah, there's there's definitely stuff in here that I was surprised nobody else had really uh, written about. Yeah, um, but exa a particular example. Well, there were things in it like there's a, there's a the little passage in about, about the uh, the the phone number that you could you could dial. Yes. Before the before Empire Strikes Back, I think came out is when mm -hmm. where you could dial in and get a personal message from like uh, really Darth Vader or C three PO yes. or something with. <laughs> and it was, just, and and it, it totally like broke the the phone lines uh, and, and when this they put this thing out because uh, he was before the modern technology for this and it it overwhelmed the server. They right. had to like open this whole bank of of uh, however right. it worked of, of, of exchanges right. and things so they could accommodate the call volumes for this. Uh, what, it, but you know, but pre social media, yeah. it was like a way to get yes. people could interact, you know, with the, with the franchise. And no, nobody had really written much about that. And there's things in it that are a little bit different than things I had written before because um, there's more of, more of my own personal experiences in this mm -hmm. book because I came out and I, I was 11 when the first movie came out and I have mm -hmm. a lot of these very direct uh, memories and, right. uh, and vivid uh, rec you know, recollections and experiences related to the films and watching right. them like – so there's the whole chapter in there where I write about watching the holiday special, the Star Wars holiday yes, special when it was yes. first broadcast. I was about to ask about that. I, I went right to <laughs> your uh, your glossary yeah. in the back, looked up C for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I'm gonna, I just, uh, I mean, I have to sort of drop this footnote in. We're we're nearly the same age, and in reading the book, there were a lot of points almost autobiographically I could relate to. Not it wasn't an exact match, but like the Christmas special. I remember anticipating it. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting on the floor in front of the television and then, like, expecting the greatest thing in the world to be about to happen to me. Sorry. 
And then that happened to me. I will say this. At, <laughs> it was, at work, I'm, uh, as long as I get my work done, I'm allowed to have my phone up with YouTube or whatever. I watched the Star Wars Holiday Special at work this year as well. <laughs> Except the difference was, as you were anticipating something amazing, I knew better. <laughs> so what, what did... What did you have to say about it in the book, or what should the reader look forward to finding out about? About the holiday special? Yes. Well, that was another thing that there hadn't been uh, – well, there actually has been some reporting around that. But one of the problems with, uh, with Star Wars and one of the things that was advantageous to me doing this book, which is not an authorized you know, Lucasfilm-approved sure. uh, product – which you know because it it even mentions the holiday special. Let alone, I did a whole I did a whole chapter on it. It's several you know thousand right. words on it, and um, and it was just nice to be able to get into things like that that the official histories mm-hmm. want to gloss over or just ignore entirely. So so it has all the information about how where this idea came from, right. and it didn't really seem like that crazy an idea yes. at the time, you know, yes. because Christmas specials were this were this big thing, Same. and musical variety shows were very popular. Yeah. And, and, they had a good, and it was like, well, everybody loves musical variety Christmas shows, and everybody loves Star Wars, so why not a Star Wars musical variety Christmas show? It'll be perfect. Except, so? of course, yeah. you know, it was god-awful. Well, so there's all that stuff in it. And then there's also my personal sort of experience of watching it, which I've had a number – which I, I, I kind of went back and forth on, should I really include this or not? But then it's wound up being, I think, the thing in the book people have most been able to relate to because a lot of people had the experience that you and I had of right? sitting in front of the TV being so psyched for this <laughs> – and then just sitting there and thinking, what is this? Yes. It was, it was, you know, what? I, I don't know. Um, as the, the kid watching it, as a child of the 70s, the, that variety show, a Christmas special, even some of the cast who you would see in other variety shows, that all kind of makes sense. I almost felt like there just wasn't enough Star Wars in it. Like oh, there's absolutely. a couple of minutes of Mark Hamill, Chewbacca yes. is there, sort of. But it's like a well, however a two hour long special that has like five minutes of. Well, I thought they made up with it with B. Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a big and, B. Arthur I, fan. And, and and Harvey Corman in three oh, different yeah. disguises. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was that that was honestly that was my biggest thing as a kid was like, where where's Luke? Yes. You know, we're Han and Chewie. You know, yes. what's going Why on did here? Luke get his haircut too. In that <laughs> yeah. movie. man, he, he did not look good. Um, you'd have the cartoon, which was good. Um, Looks like he was transitioning from Luke Skywalker to the Joker on that one. <laughs> so a certain um, part of the you know the story of Star Wars and then the narrative of your book includes all of the uh, rev- revisions that have taken place to mm-hmm. the film over the right. years. I have my opinion. Dan may have an opinion, but he's younger than us, so I don't care about his opinion. <laughs> yep. But uh, well, you know, what's either what's your opinion of the revisions, or what take were you trying to portray in the book on the revisions? Well. The, the thing with the Star Wars films are that they've always been – they've constantly been under revision. Even mm-hmm. when, even as they were reissued theatrically, like they reissued Star Wars theatrically before The Empire Strikes Back came mm-hmm. out. And it was at that point that they added the whole Episode Four right. A New Hope subtitle, which yeah. wasn't there in the right. print that I saw in 1977. Nope. And, and they've added lots – and they've changed some other little things with sound effects right. and lines of dialogue and, and all kinds of other things uh, – even before we got to the right. point where they were changing things for the special edition releases right. and the DVD and the Blu-ray. So they've kind of been constantly tinkering with these things. Which I found that narrative interesting, I think, as a, shall we say, casual fan. The, the idea of the revision gets, yeah. seems like monolithic, but right. it's not monolithic in the sense that there's like a threshold moment of the original. Well, the, the, but when they did the special editions, it was definitely next level. Because they were yes. going back and adding in whole sequences and yes. redoing all these visual yes. effects. And it, it was... And, and to me, I don't I don't necessarily mind some of the some of the revisions. Mm-hmm. I actually think the revisions to The Empire Strikes Back work pretty well because it's things like, you know, putting in windows on yes. the on the the Cloud City, yes. uh, you know, interiors and things, which was one of Urban Kirshner's complaints about the movie. Is <laughs> we have a city in the cloud and there's no windows. Yes. It just makes no sense. <laughs> um, so that that doesn't yeah. bother me. Some of the, uh, the changes to the other films do bother me. I don't mind those v- versions being available. I just wish the original versions were preserved and available also. To me, it's a, it's criminal that we right. can't watch those as a, at least as an option. Yes. There should be some kind of release yes. that has the originals and the, whatever the current as a, iteration is. As a fan is. who was eight or nine years old and saw the movie three times and now have a comprehension that as it stands, I can never see those movies again. That I I completely feel the same way. I would, I would add with one other thing. 
At this point, because he's been withholding it for so many decades, there's probably a billion dollars to be made. Like if they were to release a special edition of like the original, the original cut, cut, I, I I am pretty sure that will eventually happen uh, because there is a lot of money laying on the table there, and Disney's not one yes. to let that money yes. just sit yes. there. It's not just George Lucas on principle; it's Disney on money. Yeah. That's like a completely yeah. different. <laughs> I'm fortunate. A friend of mine has a 16 millimeter print of the original version of Star Wars, wow. which is something you mentioned in the yeah. book that there are a couple of older versions that are still sort of in circulation if you can lay your hands on one. Yeah, and you can find like DVDs transferred from 16 or there's the whole despecialized mm -hmm. edition uh, DVDs that are out there where people have gone back and kind of retro-engineered them back to their original right. state as much as possible. Be, be, you know, it'd be nice to have an actual legitimate release. Of the, I mean, they deserve to have an actual legitimate release of those versions of those films. Um, besides the other Christmas special, you do talk about um, a couple other categories. One is the rip-offs. <laughs> right. And then also the parodies. Right. Do you have like a favorite rip-off or favorite parody that you want to mention? Anything other than Spaceballs is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in terms of parodies, I mean, Spaceballs is kind of is, is more or less the last word. Although my favorite Star Wars parody is still Hardware Wars. Ding and ding I, ding! We have I, a winner. Oh. And and I loved um, if you've seen the Last Jedi, the little Star War, uh, uh, Hardware Wars Easter egg they put in there. You remember the shot? There's a, there's a shot. It. There's a scene. It looks like you're looking at a spaceship, mm -hmm. but they and they the camera pulls back, and it's actually an iron pressing. Kylo Ren's uh, uniform. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely a little nod yeah, to Hardware was... <laughs> Wars there. So which is, I mean, Spaceballs is funny, but Hardware Wars to me is just hysterical. I love, I love uh, Hardware Wars. And then I, the the Star Wars ripoffs I enjoy the most are the ones that are also funny, mm -hmm. although not necessarily on purpose, like uh, Star Crash, the Italian right. thing, and uh, Message from Space, which is the Japanese one, where they're sailing what? around and what looks like a the Jolly Roger or something, I, or the, that the, one the I've Ghost seen Galleon before. or something. I remember seeing that as a youth. I haven't rewatched it as an adult. Yeah. That was both fun and, um, it's a strange movie and a lot of work <laughs> to uh, to watch all those movies. There's a, uh, there's a movie you mentioned mm -hmm. in the course of the book, because it fits into what we're talking about, mm -hmm. but you did not mention it as a rip-off. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to ask your opinion. If I was painted into a corner, I would count Alien. Oh, as a Star Wars? Uh, like Yes. Now, it's not a rip-off in like a, almost like a parody rip-off, you know, like a direct swashbuckling space adventure rip-off. But it, it does come out like in the wake of Star Wars, we need a sci-fi, we need an adventure, we need a big cool spaceship. The spaceship is, Nostradamus is filmed with like cinematic techniques. The Nostradamus is made from model parts of Star Wars ships. So it just seemed to me, maybe if rip-off is too harsh of a word for such a good movie, but it does seem to me that it exists in the wake of Star Wars. Oh, it definitely did. I mean, a lot of things existed in the wake of Star Wars. I mean, there was uh, the Superman movies, I, I, you know, the Flash yes. you know, got made uh, in part because of Star Wars because they wanted a science fiction-y kind mm. of property that they could, without a lot of merchandising things, they could sure. tie into it. And so that's probably is, was part of the origin of, of Alien. I, you're, you're probably right that Alien wouldn't exist if Star Wars hadn't come first, although I don't necessarily think it's... Right. I think it's a little bit of a different animal. To me, sure. to me, Alien is like a is a horror movie. It's it's a haunted house yes. movie that happens to be set on a spaceship. Agreed. You know more than anything else. Uh, what was the um, the uh, the uh, quote unquote? I'm making air quotes on my podcast. Sorry, people. <laughs> Seven Samurai ripoff film. Oh, with um, John Boy. Oh, that's that's uh, uh, Message from Space. That's oh no, no, well, no, no. That was the original. Was Message from Space is, is Seven Samurai, but then there's also Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle Beyond the Stars, which was the George, the, the uh, Roger yes. Corman ripoff. I must say, Star as Wars. a kid, I loved that movie. Battle Beyond the Stars, like <laughs> landed with me. I don't know if it's because it had John Boy in it or and George Papard and, and Robert Vaughn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. So I'm I'm looking at the cover of your book here, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing yellow letters with letters with the yellow outline, Correct. you know, the black little back for the uh, for the space and stars and everything, but it is not in Star Wars print. Correct. Is this an unauthorized? It is indeed unauthorized. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, how 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 that's something I have always kind of wondered. I just never had the what's but, the word curiosity to mm -hmm. <laughs> research it myself. So. How do you, how are you guys able to do? It? Is it because it is technically a reference and educational oh, well, I mean, material? It's any you can write a book about anything. You just it just uh, can't be. The, the, no subject matter is off limits in terms of to you as a writer. But you can, you can't present certain things in, uh, without authorization. Like for example, we were supposed to have 
and you bring up the cover, which is kind of a sore point with me, because we had these beautiful photo covers for the Star <laughs> Trek books. Yep. And the other books in the series all have photo covers. And I had a gorgeous color shot from The Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. that was going to be the cover shot of this book. It had uh, it had uh, Luke and Leah and uh, Han and Chewie and all standing around in the in the like on Hoth and right. in a, it's a it was a publicity shot. But we couldn't get we we were going to try to uh, uh, we the experience we had with uh, Paramount with Star uh, with uh, Star Trek had been we just kind of paid a, a, a fee and they would you know let us do the cover and and they wouldn't do it they would they would not uh let us do the right. cover so we had to come up with this uh thing as a substitute generic non-star wars yeah, yeah generic like generic star, star wars ish story right. yeah so okay but but it's it's not official it's not authorized uh, by lucasfilm which but the, the the which means that it doesn't have their seal of approval but it also means they don't get to tell me what to write or what mm-hmm. not to write Sure. So that means I get to okay. write about the holiday special, and I get to write about <laughs> you know all this other things right. that uh, they, the, the the books typically don't right. uh, go into. Um, Dan and I have some special announcements to make, but when we come back, I'm going to come back to that you couldn't put everything in the book and ask you if there could be one more thing in the book. What is, what would you want in? Like, what's the thing you regret most not being able to squeeze in? When we come back from this word. Hey, Dan Brown, I want to thank our sponsor, Toth's Place, your local watering hole in Mentor, Ohio, for supporting this podcast. And, Dan, tell the people where they can see the action comedy nerd show. Where's our upcoming appearances? You have quite a few different times you could see us for our fans all over the country. Uh, February 16th and 17th, uh, we will be at BashCon in Toledo, Ohio. That is a Dungeons & Dragons convention. Uh, It's going to be a good time there. That convention is put on by the University of Toledo's Dungeons & Dragons and gaming club yeah and i just want to mention dan brown that i was the president of that club in 1987-88 i believe you <laughs> what are some, uh, what's well some february 16th uh, that's going to be me and you uh february yeah. 17th that's going to be you and uh aaron, aaron cosville the aaron. professor of comedy absolutely uh the one in march i'm excited for is going to be at indiana comic con we will be there march 30th that's our second appearance yes as uh last year was another room that was almost Hundreds uh, of people. I'm yeah, not exaggerating. Easily, uh, easily 250. Yes. In all honesty, easily 250. That was in Indianapolis, in uh, Indiana. Uh, that was a great show last year. So we're we're honored that they're asking us to be back this year. Yep. Our good friend DJ Dangler is going to be doing some of his stuff in uh, another area. Yeah, shout out to DJ. Uh, May 4th and 5th, Gojo TechieCon in yes. Ashland, Ohio. I am oddly excited for this show. I'm not entirely even sure why. It just looks like it's going to be exciting. Not only are, am I excited for the show, I'm excited that when we were when we were at OhioCon, that they put our picture on the advertisement for people going to be at there. their booth. Yeah, they had like a booth to get the word out about like their con. Like we didn't pay for it or anything. No. It was just there. we were just browsing, and there's yeah. our picture on their booth. <laughs> <laughs> we went up there. We're like. You know, we're, yeah, we're, I was like, Dan we're Brown, look at this. Cons, and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, you're going to be at our con. And we've never <laughs> met them in person before. Um, very excited to announce that in September in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, Action Comedy Nerd Show is going to be uh, hitting it off at Random Fandom for some uh, podcasts and a comedy show as well. And, um, I, and this is our first appearance in Michigan yeah. as the Action Comedy Nerd Show, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, it's going to be another state for us to, to get in. Uh, we're very happy to be a part of it. Um, I've been talking with the... Uh, the director of, uh, of of events there. Uh, We're going to do some podcasting nice, there as well yeah. as our comedy show. Very nice lady. October 20th. Doctor. Doctor. Who, Dan? Who? Doctor Who in Vermilion, <laughs> Ohio. There's a con there. Yes. Well, we've been invited to perform as entertainment at their dinner party. The dinner party. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. So people at the con who pay for the dinner party. Will see us. Yes, will see us. And I've been communicating with the director at that program at that event, and super nice. Yeah. So they're all, they're also like they're strangely excited that we're going to be there. Like they were As very they enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, I mean, you guys can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you guys can hit us up on Facebook, um, and yes, you guys can keep website. checking us out here. Yeah, we need uh, go on go on iTunes and Stitcher, like us, follow us, leave comments. Leave nice comments. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and with that, let's go back to our interview with Mark Clark. Mark Clark! It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. Welcome back to the Action Comedy Nerd Show. I'm 
your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, my co-host, uh, Lord, Sith Lord, Dan Brown. What'd you call yourself, Dan? Darth Dan Brown. Darth Dan Brown. <laughs> I am your co-host. And <laughs> this is the podcast you want. And we are making uh, uh, dorky Star Wars references because we yep. are joined by author Mark Clark. Just before our little break, Mark, I asked you, uh, in terms of collating the book, you couldn't include everything. Right. So if you could include one more thing, what's the thing you sort of regret most not being able to squeeze in? Yeah, and, and it's funny you mention that because unlike the other books I've done, I actually did a chapter in this book that was like sort of – I forget what I called it, but it was like – oh, it's called Stay on Target, which is about – Things I wanted to figure out how to get in the book, but they didn't fit anywhere. So I just did a chapter that was like, and here's some random stuff that I think you're going to think is cool, but I couldn't figure out where it goes. And that was where I put the, the piece on the, the telephone number and oh, yep. other things of that sort. And it's not so much that there's whole topics that I I, I left out as it is. There were things I um, I looked back on as I was writing them, and I thought, okay, that's way too. I can't I can't give that much. Uh, I can't do that much on that topic. That's that's just ridiculous. Like for example, uh, there's a chapter in the book about the music of Star Wars, and I talk mm-hmm. about John Williams, but then I also talk about the Miko, the Domenico Minardo uh, disco Star Wars yes. uh, stuff, and all this. Yes. And and I look that up I did, if you haven't heard it. I, I found that uh, I found that guy and and the story of the, how those records got made and everything just fascinating mm-hmm. and kind of hilarious and i originally wrote like stupidly long <laughs> uh, uh pages and pages about about that stuff and i thought oh my god i can't i can't run all this and then also i had a lot more in there originally about uh the toys right. and the toy companies and trading right. cards and, and the models and things and and again i had to dial some of that mm-hmm. back because i was like unless you're a really super nerd this yes. is going to be too much so sure. i had to ran, had netflix to bring that in. beat you to it huh? <laughs> yeah exactly and then yeah then they came out with oh, this whole man. movie I about watched, yeah i watched uh I, i'm on episode three of that series right now which is he-man i think but yeah that's star okay. wars one i was like wow i didn't know anything about that <laughs> yeah well and that's that's the thing about this book is almost every chapter could be a whole book yeah yes i mean it would be yes. a special interest kind of book it wouldn't be the kind of broad interest uh thing that this book is but you could definitely do a deep dive on any almost any one of these topics. And, I'd say I think we yeah. see Star Wars Toys FAQ book coming out of uh, coming out of Mark Clark here in the future. <laughs> this is some minutia. I didn't catch it in the book, but it's something I've heard and read over the years. So I'm just going to like ask you point blank: Is this true, or okay. is it just an urban legend? Did George Lucas and Steven Spielberg have a bet? Over which movie would be more successful, Star Wars or Close Encounters of the Third Kind? There was a, a I don't know if it was a bet. I'm trying to remember exactly because you know this fun, the thing about doing doing these these interviews and these, especially in a book. And you know, once it comes right. out, it's like, yes. oh, let's see, I wrote this four, four years, years ago, ago so yes. how do I? What, but yeah, but they definitely had a uh, they were they took a vacation together in Hawaii, as mm-hmm. I recall. While they were on vacation, uh, Luke, they, Luke uh, Spielberg was working on. Um, or I was, had to go back to, to finish up uh, Close Encounters. And, of course, okay. uh, I think Lucas had just finished uh, Star Wars. And, that, yeah, and, and, right. and Lucas was convinced that <laughs> Close Encounters is going to be bigger than Star Wars, and, and Spielberg thought Star Wars was going to be bigger. And I can't remember if there was a bet or what was involved in that, but there was definitely was a friendly kind of uh, okay. back and forth yeah. over each one thinking the other one's movie right. was going to be – and I love both of those movies, by the way – there's something you chronicle in the book, which I think uh, definitely needs to be mentioned, especially in my experience as a fan growing up with the films. I was definitely reading Starlog and mm-hmm. Famous Monsters of Filmland, whatever fan magazines there were in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And if you were just consuming that information about Star Wars, you would have had the impression that George Lucas had a carefully thought out nine-part yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Or 12 part, depending on the version of the story that you told. <laughs> but you make it plain, and I suspect most Star Wars fans realize this by now, that that was not the case. And you give a better accounting or a more truer accounting of the evolution of each chapter. And well, Star Wars fans realize that he really didn't have anything solid in place at the uh, Return of the Jedi. I, th- I think that was by the, watching Return of the Jedi yeah, was like self evident. It was just like, oh wow, there are some pieces of crap in here. <laughs> well, even the even Empire Strikes Back, which is a fantastic movie, yes it is, but it had to sort of be invented after Star Wars was such a success. Right, right. The he he told that story of like. Well, I wrote this either – he told two different versions of it. He told one version where he just wrote this one enormous screenplay and then mm-hmm. took out the middle right. part or something to be, the, the, to be the, uh, right. the first movie. And then he did another one where he wrote – I had 
outlines or, or treatments or something of, right. of uh, either nine films or 12 films, and then he, and he's decided to start with the fourth one. And, right. and none, of that is, none of that is true. I mean, there, <laughs> there's, if you go back to, and look at the original interviews he did at the time, um, you know, before the film came out, uh, if you look at the scripts uh, themselves um, and look at the, the different drafts of them, it's pretty obvious that what happened was he wrote the first film and he, had, he did have more ideas than he could fit in one movie. Sure. And so when the when the first and he had kind of thought if this is successful I can right. we'll do more of these movies and and, it, and of course it was phenomenally successful and he and he definitely was going to do more movies but he didn't really have a whole other film written right. even one other film let alone a series of them. what he had was some <laughs> leftover stuff and then he had to figure out what to do from there right and the kind of the basic shape of the second movie was was uh, laid out for him there were certain things he had to do you know. Right. Uh, in the course of that, and he had these like he had the asteroid belt sequence right. uh, was in uh, was was on in mind. He had the idea of the character that was uh, eventually would become Yoda. Right. Originally, he just referred to as the critter. Right, was was in there, <laughs> and then the, but but other. It's interesting though. Um, the most interesting thing about that to me is that the idea that. And uh, spoiler alert, but the the idea that uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father yes. was not part of the original uh, story. It was right. something that came out in the second draft screenplay for Empire Strikes Back because originally there was going uh, it was going to be that uh, Darth Vader had killed Anakin Skywalker right. and Anakin was supposed to appear to Luke as a ghost. And then, uh, but you know, we already had Obi Wan appearing as a ghost, and right. there's Yoda, and it was like, you know, Luke doesn't need three father figures. Right. How do we get? You know, we got to we've got to streamline right. this. And somehow, in doing that, he hit on the idea of Vader uh, being Luke's father, right? And that was really changed the whole dynamic. And I think it was what really elevated Star Wars from just being this kind of uh, Flash Gordon fun adventure thing right. into being something right. that has a bit more mythic kind of heft to it. How did they then determine that uh, Princess Leia and Luke were going to be brother and sister? <laughs> well, I, you know, my theory on that one is you know, there's that line in there about, oh, no, there's another. And then the Empire Strikes Back. And the, the Empire end. Strikes Back near the end. And they didn't really know what that meant. And they, because they, they were, they weren't sure what was going to happen with this movie. They weren't sure if, if uh, Harrison Ford was going to come back. Right. They weren't sure what was going on. They thought they might need to introduce a new character. And so they kind of left that there as a placeholder to figure out, okay, we're not sure what that means. We'll write something for the next movie. Right. And then by the time the next movie rolled around, everybody was coming back, and they didn't really have time or interest in introducing another character. They had enough other things to do. So they thought, well, how do we fix this? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll make them brother and sister. Well, right. that, that'll be and how they we never thought, this. like, for a second, be like, you know, Retro and, the, and yeah, kind of icky. <laughs> on they page are. Eight, yeah. Luke's gonna go, oh, and wash his tongue out <laughs> yeah, or something. Right. Yeah, you bring up something about your comment, Dan, brings up something that's in the book that I wanted to make sure I got to mention. You do, during the course of the Star Wars FAQ, give information about the literary world of Star Wars, the books mm -hmm. and book right. series. And that's another chapter I could have written more on. Right. Oh, Rain myself in. Yes. <laughs> I've read some of those books, but I will say maybe I'm not a, a good fan, but I just wasn't drawn into reading all of the Star Wars novels. I've always had a resistance. Like I haven't read all the Star Trek novels or all the alien novels because it sort of becomes an endless exercise. But unless you have multiple lifetimes, it would be yes. hard to read all the Star Wars or Star Trek novels. But I did read back when you were supposed to read it, mm -hmm. Splinter in the Mind's Eye. Yes. And I loved that book. It was great. Yeah, I loved it. And um, and Alan Dean Foster, who wrote that, is my did the forward for my did the forward. Yes. Well, now that that's come up, how did you get Alan Dean Foster to do that? Um, I emailed him and said, "Hey, <laughs> you want to do this? You want to do this? You want right forward? to the source? <laughs> that's right. Uh, I've been a fan of Alan Dean right. Foster since like Ice Rick, sure. going back even before Star Wars, and and he had done a number of great novelizations, including. Including uh, the first Star Wars movie, and, and right. he, of course, wrote The Splinter. And it was yeah. interesting because Splinter originally was what they thought, even before even before uh, Star Wars turned out to be a big success, Lucas thought, well, if it makes kind of enough money, right. I'll do this kind of low-rent sequel. And it was going to be Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which right. was a story that didn't have Han Solo, took place primarily on uh, one planet, right. uh, didn't have any space battle type scenes in it, would, yeah. could, could be done on the cheap, but right. was a, it was kind of a good story. And he collaborated with Foster to come up with this story. But then when Star Wars was this huge success, they kind of jettisoned the whole thing and pretended like it never existed. Right. It's really a good story. So, but, it, but that speaks, like the mere existence of that novel, like underscores 
Uh-huh. That they didn't have a plan for Correct. the second movie. Right. And in that novel, Han and Leah like explore their relationship. Luke and Leah. Luke and Leah. Yeah. I apologize. Oh no, they're, yeah, they're yeah, Luke they're, and Leah. Are they're like, going at it fairly hot and heavy. Yes. And, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they have to do more than rinse out their mouths with mouthwash <laughs> after a for the uh, for the fans of the extra comedy nurture. Would you like to give out Mr. Foster's email? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I'm sure we got a few people who like to email him right now. Uh, you can write the forward of all my books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So when, Some nights you can just write my set. Oh. <laughs> one other chapter I wanted to make sure it got mentioned is you have a chapter about how people interpret the movie. Right. I believe you make the apt comparison to a Rorschach test, as in it sort of can mean almost anything that anybody thinks it might mean. Then acknowledging that, you go through like four or five themes that are like sort of consistently explored or is this what it means and with some reference to Lucas and things that he has said about it. Mm-hmm. So tell us, what is Star Wars actually about? <laughs> What's the deepest level we can go to on all of this nonsense? I think the main thing that Lucas was trying to put across was just the idea of, I mean, this it's going to sound really corny, but I mean, all this stuff is is kind of corny if you if you break right. it down. I guess it sounds that way, but but it, it, the, the idea, this idea that like love and friendship and uh, is sure. is the greatest power sure. out there and you know care mm-hmm. he built he baked in all this stuff about trying he wanted to try to encourage people to think about things to think about philosophical theological sure. kind of issues to think about there being a yeah. higher power of some sort a higher power and and he sure. definitely had a kind of um i th- i think the bias of the film is very much toward inclusion and mm-hmm. you know the, the the bad guys are these lily white british dudes yes the good guys are like all different colors and genders and and aliens and, aliens and yeah. everything else and so I think I think that his message and 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 certainly Lucas's politics uh, mm-hmm. w- w- was were were fairly right. sort of small L liberal seventies sure. ish you know he was he mm-hmm. was a child of the sixties seventies that era and and it, it fits right in with that although people have read these as being sort of neo fascist and every sure. everything else under the sun uh, so, so if Lucas is a liberal who shot first. <laughs> I tell me Han that a level-headed man, Han definitely shot first. Yes, I was there. I saw it happen. Yeah, Han definitely, definitely shot first. Yeah. That's the end of that. I felt like that um, going along with all of that. And I, you do mention this in the book mm-hmm. that in a way, the only moral code you need to know is that Luke has to decide between good or evil. The well, he has to, he has to decide whether he's going to try to make a difference or not. Is he going to stand up? Sure. And try to make a difference in his world, or is he going to be like right. Uncle Owen right. and just try to take care of himself, keep his head down, stay out of trouble, and go along to get along? In Star Wars, it, you know, uh, Han, Han Solo takes his treasure and leaves, and Luke joins the attack on the Death Star. So to me, but that's then, but then Han comes complex. back, which is why he's a hero, right? Absolutely, not, yeah. And then in Empire Strikes Back, Luke, I'm your father, and he has to decide, go with father or, in a way, choose his friends, which symbolically, no, literally, is jumping off the edge, whatever that might mean. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's actually not clear to me if he's killing himself or if he thinks it's a leap, but he's going to be saved. You know what I mean? It's unclear to me whether or not it's, I would rather die than join you. It just seems like I would rather escape than join you. So to me, those two decisions show that Luke is... Choosing the good side. Absolutely, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do realize there's more Star Wars movies out there where Luke has a robotic hand than having a real hand. Ergo. You, you know, we haven't mentioned yet, and I should say we should say this for the for the <laughs> right. sake of your listeners. Sorry, I just I just now realize that. Right. Well, but but uh, but I shall I should mention that the, the the book that I wrote is one of the ways I controlled the scope of this thing was that it is specifically about the original three films yes. from the 70s and 80s. I didn't write about, except no. for, except in passing, I didn't yeah. write about the prequels. And, of course, the new films hadn't come out yet yes. when I wrote it. So. Well, let's um, talk about um, the prequels a little bit. Do we have uh, to? We don't have to. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say this about the trilogy, and it leads into the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hate... Return of the Jedi, but I was probably let down compared to the first two movies. And also, I was a little older by the time it came out. So I don't know if that's a factor either. I definitely was like immediately cynical about the Ewoks. But I didn't like hate the movie. I thought, oh, that's okay. And they wrapped up the story. Uh, That's fine. But I did feel like it had taken a juvenile turn. That was on purpose. Uh, Which I find to be the, the single biggest problem. Because the first two movies... And we were the right age. Mm-hmm. Like, we relate to Luke 
and Luke is growing up. Right. So kind of like the Harry Potter movies grow up, not just Harry Potter, but the films become more sophisticated, right. deeper. The second Star Wars movie like grew up. Yes. But the third Star Wars movie was for back. little kids and not that, yeah that didn't feel like yeah I mentioned I talk about that in, yeah. in the book the uh, second film mm-hmm. uh, Irving Kirshner took it uh, in a much darker mm-hmm. more adult direction yeah. and wanted to continue or and mm-hmm. wanted and some people wanted to continue that way Gary Kurtz wanted to yes. continue it that way other people wanted to continue along those lines but but Lucas mm-hmm. had adopted a daughter i believe in that period of time mm-hmm. and really wanted to do something that was more kid friendly he mm-hmm. thought he thought the reason that the, that empire didn't perform as well at the box office as the first film was because it had gotten too heavy right and he wanted to lighten it up he wanted to make it more kid friendly the problem was that if you were a, somebody who'd come into this franchise from the right. ground floor like you and i did you're right. We were growing up, right? Yes. I mean, I was 11 when the first one came out. I would have been, that would have made me like 14 when the second one came out, mm-hmm. which would have made me like 17 right. when the third one came out. Well, the problem was, uh, you know, I was a perfect age to see the first movie. Yeah. I was a pretty good age to see the second movie. Yeah. And then I was way too old for the third movie <laughs> because the third movie was pitched at somebody who was younger than I was right. when I saw the first one. And it really was more of a kid's movie. And, and it, not that there's not that yeah, there's anything and, wrong with it being right. a kid's movie. It's just it was kind of, and I think that people kind of still hold that against it seeing it now like i showed it to my son right. and he loves it he's like right. i think it was eight or something when i was seven right. or eight when i showed it to him he was he flipped out he loved it and seeing him react that way made me appreciate sure. it more i just think it's more pitched at people that age right. and by the time it came out the core audience it was too yeah. old for the movie that yeah. was supposed to wrap up the whole thing it, it didn't really make sense to make that to make that move, but that's what And we did. don't have to talk about the prequels, but I'll just say... <laughs> no, we can't. I'm just kidding. But no, but I'll just say I, the prequels continued in that vein of children's movie. It's for, they're for younger audiences. So again, I've continued to get older. Yeah. And now... Well, certainly the first one was uh, yeah. definitely more of a kid's movie with Jar Jar and all that yeah. nonsense. Where's the not sure. I'm not Jar sure. Jar Binks. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> can't even summon an English uh, word. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I have to catch you right now before we play yeah. the rest of the support association. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that one. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, uh, but but uh, and then um, well, I like the second one of the three of the prequels the best. Oh, really? I like it the least. But that's, okay. okay, yeah, I'm I'm uh, in that same boat as yeah. you. Yeah, and then the third one because it is about the turning of Darth Vader or Anakin into Darth Vader, kind of has to have a darker edge. But I didn't feel like it was a particularly mature version of that. It still seemed like a kid's movie about the hero turning. I, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. So, I mean, I find things to enjoy in all the Star Wars sure. films. But the, but you have to look harder. I have to look harder in, in, <laughs> in those, especially yeah. in in uh, the in the, the Phantom Menace and uh, Attack That's how of I feel about Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the exact same way. I, I, um, I like Phantom Menace. Better the second time I watched it. I don't know if it was. There's a fan edit of that one that's better. Oh, is there? If you look that up on the internet, it it, it gets rid of some of it. Minimizes your Jar Jar quota and (laughs) improves it a lot. And and if and if you watch uh, uh, Attack of the Clones and skip through all the scenes with uh, Anakin and uh, Padme, it's uh, not bad. Yes, yes. I already do that in my head when I say I like the second movie best. (laughs) I'm referring to all the action sequences, so Ben Kenobi so, storyline. So yeah. carve about you know 45 <laughs> minutes or an hour out of it, and it's yes. okay. But you know the the, the those sequences mm-hmm. really uh, are hard to well. Hard to get through. And now your book was written in anticipation of the Force Awakens. Right. We've had three new Star Wars movies. Correct. Um, since that time, what's your just take on the new generation, the J.J. Abrams? Star Wars movies. Well, it's interesting to me it, looking at the Force Awakens. Which was, on the one hand, very much a sort of rehash, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, not quite a remake of uh, – it had all the same plot points as, as the first film. Right. As uh, what the yes. artist now known as uh, yeah. A New Hope uh, <laughs> just kind of rejiggered a little bit. But all, yes. all the same kind of beats were in there and about the same sequence and all that sort of thing. But the other thing that struck me about that film watching it was having done the research mm-hmm. for this book, I knew what Lawrence Kasdan and other, other people wanted to do. Mm-hmm. With because there were all these ideas for things they were going to do with uh, Return of the Jedi okay. that Lucas 
shot down. Right. Luke, uh, he really wanted to kill him, Han Solo as right. part of uh, In Return of the Jedi. And, right. and Harrison Ford wanted that to happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there were other things that he, they wanted right. to do in that film. And Lucas said, no, 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 we can't do this. It has to be a happy, happy, happy movie. It can't have any downer mm-hmm. stuff in it. And so in a way, I, that film was kind of Lawrence Kasdan saying, okay, now I get to make the Star Wars movie I wanted to make back in right. 1983. But I thought that I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was a good film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was probably the best Star Wars film since. You mean the Force Awakens? The Force Awakens was the best Star Wars film at the, when, at the time it came out. I liked it better right. than any of the Star Wars films since Empire. Sure. Although I do like I mentioned I do like Return of the Jedi, but I thought Force Awakens worked better sure. overall. And then I liked um, I liked the Last Jedi more than I liked the Force Awakens. So okay. I I feel like th- those films are. Sure. Are making, uh, you know, are moving the franchise forward in a much more positive way than okay. the, the prequels did. Uh, they're not perfect. There, there's sure. flaws. In some cases, some really sort of head slapping kind of. I can't, yes. you know, I can't believe they just did this moments. Yes. But still, uh, for the most part, they're really enjoyable and uh, do credit to the franchise. And and Rogue One. A lot of people loved Rogue One. I liked Rogue One. I didn't wasn't quite as crazy about it as everybody else. I liked Rogue One, and I would. Going with Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, I'm in that camp of Rogue One as my next favorite mm-hmm. Star Wars movie. And I think it, uh, I would often say the same thing about Star Trek, which we don't have to go into that because that'd be a whole other podcast. But I always like the Star Trek, like a Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. because it's the Star Trek universe, but it's not a retread of the Enterprise. Right. So I liked Rogue One because it was the Star Wars universe, but it wasn't... Like part of the trilogy. It wasn't part of that formulaic, well, that's, what, what has become formulaic mythology. Well, that's interesting because I, I think that, um, and maybe that's good, because I, one of the challenges I think, I, I brought this up in a lot of the interviews that I did before Force Awakens mm-hmm. came out, which was that the big shift here that's going on with Star Wars mm-hmm. is that one of the reasons why this franchise was so popular for uh, for so many years was because they were like these rare gems. You know, you, mm-hmm. had, you had three movies Yes. And then over 20 years or something. Right. And then you finally got three more movies and then another long wait. Yeah. And other than that, you'd had like a cartoon show and a, and a couple of like Ewoks That's TV the... movies <laughs> and, a, and a misbegotten holiday special. And that was yes. it. And now there's all this product out there. And, and there's never – Star Wars yes. has always been something that's scarce. And now it's – there's a lot of product. There's more movies coming out. They're talking about doing live-action TV shows. And, of course, there's the cartoons still going on and all yeah, that kind of stuff. A friend of mine said who's our age and, uh, you know – it's gone on the similar journey as you and I. From now on, there'll be a Star Wars movie every year. Absolutely. For the, for, for the rest of our lives, there will be a Star <laughs> Wars movie. As long as Disney and America both exist, <laughs> there will be a Star Wars movie every year from so, now or, on. Or until people decide they don't want it anymore, which, right. is, which is the thing that worries me for the franchise right. is, and going back and making the comparison to Star Trek. I mean, I think that, that, right. that Paramount kind of, uh, kind of killed Star right. Trek because they were trying to maintain a feature film franchise and two different TV series and all this other stuff, and it was just people lost interest after a while. Well, and, I, and I'm a little worried that that same thing is going to eventually happen with Star so Wars. So they call Rogue One and the upcoming, from the time of recording this podcast, Solo, Han Solo movie, yeah. uh, anthology films. Right. right, That's what they're calling that. A like, Star so, Wars story or whatever, yeah. 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 That's what, I was just wondering, just for the, this is a nerd question, fan question. If they're going to be doing this, what would you like to see be a Star Wars story Movie, a character or storyline? Well, or? Su- supposedly they're going to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi film. Right. With, uh, um, was Ian McGregor? Ian Ma- he was yeah, willing Ian, to do Ian it. McGregor, I yeah. haven't heard that it was confirmed. Uh, I, I, I haven't heard it's confirmed, but I, I strongly suspect that it is going to happen. I heard him say in an interview that he was and I think interested that, in doing it. I think that's a pretty good pretty good movie, sure. depending on what they, if they can come up with a good story. To, right. to me, that's the, that's the issue. It's just come up with a good story. It yes. can be about somebody we haven't right. even met before. As long okay. as it's a good story... Is set, they can just set it in the same kind of like Rogue One. It was set in the same universe. It did right. tie in with the previous yes. film, but it doesn't have to. And I think one of the things that you see happening with the new movie with with the mm-hmm. Last Jedi is them really trying to democratize this. So it's not mm-hmm. all this this whole dynastic family drama about the Skywalkers. Yes. They're yes. trying to bring in all these characters that aren't related to the Skywalkers right. and the help and, the, and this, this and the, the the idea there could be these Jedi or these other people have these adventures. Throughout, you know, the universe, yep. throughout the galaxy or yep. whatever, uh, and all these different uh, little eddies that we haven't right. seen yet or, or different you know, places or whatever. So I think what, what they want to try to do is introduce more characters right. that won't all be about, 
you know, uh, the story right. of Lando Calrissian's right. bar mitzvah or something, you know. <laughs> well, you say Lando Calrissian. I mean, he's an obvious candidate for his own, you know, Star, Star Wars story movie because... Well, he'll be in the solo film. Right. So, so I, well, go ahead, Dan. Actually, I've been cutting you off a couple times. No, no. Because um, uh, you said Harrison Ford wanted to die. <laughs> well, well, he wanted Han Solo to die. die. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I don't know because, um, like I mentioned earlier, I haven't read your book yet. Mm-hmm. Um what what was his reasoning for, or he just thought the character should die? He didn't know what to, where else to go with the character. Okay. He just felt like it was he, it was done. He hadn't really moved anywhere since the first film, and he was ready. The only thing he could think of for him to do was just have some kind of heroic sacrifice kind of thing, which is, you know, what winds up happening eventually. Yeah, and uh, he felt like, the, he, and he was just I think he was just kind of bored with doing it. There was he was very touch and go if he was gonna sign up to do the third film after sure. Jedi anyway, or even he, he, unlike the rest of the cast who signed three picture deals, he signed up like movie to movie. So they never really knew if he was going to come back again or not. Well, even in empire, that's why that Alan Dean Foster book didn't even have Han Solo as a character. Yeah. It was tentatively could have been the sequel. And that's why he's, you know, they wrote empire the way that they did where he's in carbamide and mm-hmm. he may or may not be revived. You know, it's, it's his, there was yeah. a possibility they could have, you know, he could have, they could have done something where, Right, he got blown up or something. Yeah. You know, uh, because my thing was, you know, again, as just as a casual fan, but I love, you know, superhero stories, things like that. I love old man stories, and when I heard they were doing a Han Solo, solo film, mm-hmm. I really wanted Harrison Ford, and that be the movie where he dies. You know what I mean? Like one last run, old man solo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the 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 Millennium Falcon gets blown up or something or, or mm-hmm. whatever, or you know, that's right. the way he goes out on his shield. And then you have another reason, but, you know. Well, maybe you'll, get, maybe you'll get the octogenarian Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah, that's coming up soon. What color would your lightsaber be? Uh, green, I think. Green? The green looks pretty sharp. Oh, green okay. is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a yeah. fan of the blue, I have to say. The blue, yep. yep classic. The blue. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. classic blue. Not really, not really red. I'm not really in not really in a, down with the Empire. I'm not not going there. No. Not really a Sith. No, no offense, Dan. Not <laughs> no, really no, a Sith okay. kind of guy. <laughs> so I've alluded a couple of times. I got to make sure I squeeze in a bit of um, an anecdote here. Uh, but this is a Star Trek anecdote. Oh, well, so all right. Mark and I, by a lot of wild coincidences, have little qu- things in common, both being from Louisville, Clark being my middle name, uh, being Star Wars fans since we were kids. Having identical uh, odometer readings. Having identical odometer <laughs> readings. Great callback. You win. Yeah. You get a gold star were, for Were that. we recording at that point, though? <laughs> if not, I'll add it in as a... Thank you. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention this. Have you gone to the restaurant in Kent that has the X-Wing outside of it? Yes, I have, in fact. I Friends took me there. They thought it was necessary. Yeah. And actually, it's a pretty good place. I haven't been there yet. Yeah. Have you been there, Dan? I've driven past it before. Okay. The food's I've not bad. I recommend it. I forget we'll the name of the place. But yeah. Take some pictures. <laughs> Uh, before we run out of time, we're gonna. We always sometimes we do a rapid round. We just ask three or four quick paced questions, sure. just short answers. Yep. You've done other podcasts and interviews, right? Just is there a question no one's ever asked you that you wish they would? Yes, boxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, how much money would you like for doing this? Uh, <laughs> 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 okay. Pick one of my hands. You can have right. all the money in that <laughs> hand. <laughs> How about a Star Wars related question or a book related question? Mm. You know, I've I've uh, done a ton of interviews. I don't. I actually don't know of anything off the top of my head that I'm like, oh, I wish somebody would ask me. Oh, you know what? I wish we talked about this before before we went on the air. Uh, I wish at some point maybe you had me back because I'd like to talk about the new Star Trek series and the Orville and what's going on with the Star Trek sure. franchise right yes. now too. This has all been about Star Wars, yes. which is great. But, you know, if you ever want to talk about Star Trek, I'll be happy to we come back. We should definitely do, do a Star Trek episode. We'd be yeah. very grateful. And I'll just mention, by the way, uh, you told me before we started, uh, if you look up Mark on Amazon, you'll see he's written a couple of books on classic horror as well. Oh, right. And your next yep. book is going to be on classic horror. Correct. Yeah, I'm doing a book with my friend Brian, who lives in Seattle, yeah. who was just visiting and, and right. doing some work on the right. book. Um, we're doing a book about horror films from the 1940s, mm-hmm. going back to the you know World War II era and the, the, the Frankenstein movies sure. and the Wolfman and all that Absolutely. business. Uh, Universal. And the Val Luton yeah. films. Okay. And there's, there's, and all Spanish that kind of Dracula? Thing. Uh, that would have been that was thirties, but right. yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. But but you know, one of the cool things about it is I'm discovering all these movies that I had never didn't even know existed. Like I've, I've watched like the first horror film made in India, the first horror <laughs> film made in Spain, the first okay. one made in Argentina. All okay. these. Well, we around. want to hear more about that too. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. horror movie fan. Yeah. Any idea how James Earl Jones became the voice of Darth Vader? You know, it was just a thing that Lucas liked his voice. 
mm-hmm. and uh, there was it was not any more complicated than that. And uh, of course, there's the whole thing which, where David Prowse was not happy about his voice being dubbed, mm-hmm. but. To me, that is sort of composite performance of, of Prowse's uh, physical presence yeah. and and the voice of of uh, James Earl Jones is just you can't beat. Yeah. From afar, it seemed like a sad story, like he got to be Darth Vader, but then they took his voice away. But when you learn more about him, he sounds like a jerk. So I don't know, like how to interpret yeah. his whole like role place in the history of Star Wars. Yeah, I I had some kind of unfortunate interactions with him at a at a convention okay. some years ago so uh, I, the impression i get is he was he was um, didn't do himself any favors in the way yes. he treated other people I but mean, and and there was really no reason to be terribly right. upset because from what i everything that i've read and the, and the mm-hmm. other people that were present he should have known they were not going to keep his voice it was okay. they had let him know throughout that they had oh, okay. I didn't know that. dub him because okay. well apparently he has he or he he had his Accent would have sounded kind of mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have worked. He had kind of a he didn't have a big you know mm-hmm. powerful voice, and he had this kind of Midlands kind of accent. He just he, right. sounded, he, he sounded like a sheep farmer, or right? Something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in the first film, if you I don't know, like if you go by screen time, it's not that big of a role. No, I mean it's not it's not an extra or something, but he's yeah. there when he needs to be. But it's not a big role. He has a his presence lingers over the whole film, but he's actually, I forget the actual number of minutes he's on screen, but it's something like 11 or 12 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I think it's not you much. said 11 or 12 in the book. Yeah. yeah. So 10 to 12 minutes of screen time, yeah. which, again, since it turns out that the whole six movie story arc is about him. But it, but it wasn't. We didn't know at yeah, first. It wasn't the plan. It became yeah, so what that's it was like about. another right. feeler that, you know, mm-hmm. that 12 part story plan story right. may not have been entirely genuine. Mm-hmm. Well, make sure you uh, listeners at home check out the description of this episode. We'll have contact information for Mark and all of his books. May uh, I ask one question? Yes. One Mark, question. Dan Brown's getting the last question of consequence. How fast does your wife drive? Is it light speed or ludicrous speed? <laughs> you know, I have really I've been worked on her. on that one for a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> How many parsecs does it take her to get home is what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> the kettle corn run we always yeah, watch. Yeah. <laughs> I said kettle corn when we watch. My wife does have totally kind of my wife does have kind of a lead foot, but I've got her to back off on that <laughs> okay. a little bit because you know I don't like driving you know white knuckling at home in the van um, or something. So yeah, without dissecting your marriage, just in a sentence, is your wife a Star Wars, Star Trek, sci-fi fan? You know, she is a huge Star Trek fan. She was. So psyched when I got the contract to do the two Star Trek books, mm-hmm. uh, I think she was more excited about it than I was. <laughs> and uh, and then she was she likes Star Wars. She's she's more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. Right. And I'm a, and I like them both. And I'm a bit more of a Star Wars fan than a Star sure. Trek fan. Okay, cool. All right. Well, it just remains for me, your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe, to thank my co-host Dan Brown, Darth Dan Brown, Darth Dan Brown, <laughs> and our guest today, Mark Clark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Absolutely. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. So, Dan Brown, that was our interview with Mark Clark. Mark Clark. Mark Clark. <laughs> what was your favorite part of that interview? What stands out in your memory and your observation? You what know what? Your fancy I, bone? I just enjoyed hearing him talk about writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that the that whole first part. Don't get me wrong; the second part was cool too. Yeah, but that first part was awesome. Well, I always like to hear about how people get these gigs. Yeah, you know, who's writing these books? Who's hiring whom? Yeah, and you know, a he spent years as a writer in the first place, and then I do realize that he never uh, we never held his feet to the fire, and we will never know what his true opinions of Jar Jar Binks are. Yes, he ducked right? it. he ducked that question every time Jar Jar Binks came Son up. Son of a bitch, it. he ducked it, yeah. and, and we let him slip away. <laughs> Out, as annoying as Jar Jar Binks was, a friend of mine who does uh, digital animation once said, "Without Jar Jar Binks, there would be no Gollum." I guess you're right. So you gotta give him his due, even if it's begrudgingly. Well, wasn't Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, like in the books? Oh yes, long, yes. long before. Yes, not the character Dan, the oh. digital representation, the gotcha. way. Gotcha. Okay, now I see what you're saying. Yeah. So because Jar Jar Binks was the first character fully created by digital magic. Gotcha. Um, and so even if it wasn't done perfectly, so much was learned from that 
that later when Gollum came, there was like a new level of excellence. Gotcha. Yes. Didn't mean to imply that Jar Jar Binks actually predated. Yeah. Well, Um, I was also going to say then who was Paula Abdul dancing with in that music video with that cartoon cat. Yes. (laughs) Well, we won't get into all of that, Dan. No. Another episode. Another episode, perhaps. Check back to the Action Comedy Nerd Show for the Paula Abdul episode. Check back with future episodes where Mark Clark uh, has promised to return and talk Star Trek with us and talk horror movies with us. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to all of that happening. So, uh, and remember, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, the keyboards. The music. The music. Yes, I was going (laughs) to do our appearances first. Sorry. That's okay. Dan was trying to help me out. I'm a forgetful Nelly sometimes. Well, you are old. Yes, quite old. <laughs> Twice as old as Dan Brown. Okay, Dan Brown, just run down. Where can people see us in the next few months? The uh, Bash- Nerd Show. Uh, BashCon in Toledo, Ohio, February 16th to the 17th. Indiana Comic Con, Indianapolis, Indiana, and March 30th. May 4th or 5th hasn't been official yet. Uh, Gojo TechieCon uh, in Ashland, Ohio. Uh, September will be at Random Fandom in Michigan. And uh, in uh, October, you guys check us out at the Doctor Who Con in Vermilion, Ohio. And with that, it just it remains for us to thank everybody. I thank Dan Brown for being the co-host. Darth Dan Brown. Darth Dan Brown, Sith Lord of Comedy. <laughs> thank Mark Clark for joining us today. And I also want to thank my good friend, Jeff Geddert, who uh, wrote and produced and created our original theme music. Thank you, Jeff. Darth Jeff Geddert. Darth Jeff Geddert. And with that, I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Jaffe. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Worlds are colliding. The Big Bang. Reboot the universe. Come on. It's the Action Comedy Nerd Show. So it's only worth it to give the illusion we have a sponsor so that in the future we might actually have a sponsor. Yeah. I'm going to put that into the podcast, by the way, what I just said. Yeah. (laughs) I've always been putting something after the closing music that I know no one's going to listen to.